This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. We're so glad that you're here today. I'm Pastor Bill Isaacs. I am the best looking staff member at our church and glad that uh, you are here today. If you're watching us online through the LEC online uh, channel, we are so glad that you have chosen to be with us today and we're excited about that and uh, hope that you are receiving God's presence right there in your room, right where you're watching us today, just like we are right here uh, in this place on our campus here uh, in Antioch. And we're so glad. I, I don't often do this and I'm not doing it for any reason except just to express joy uh, in our heart but it, I looked around this morning as I always do and I saw some individuals I haven't seen in a long time because they've been challenged uh, to get here and I just want to say welcome back Paul and Stella Lingual. we are so glad God's hand has been on you and and we're thankful that you're doing better and you're able to be here. And it's so good to see Elaine Weingard today. We're glad that she's been able to get back and be with us. Let's welcome Elaine back. She's been gone through some surgery and some challenges there. And somewhere in the room is my buddy Richard Tyler. There he is back in the back. It's been a long, long journey for Richard. And I'm so glad that he... He told me he would be here today when we were talking on the phone, and I'm so thankful. We're glad to have everybody, but so glad that everybody's here. But it's just, when I look and I see, I know the struggles that some of these have been going through, and we have missed you so bad and so glad that you're able uh, to be back with us. I got one announcement, and then we're going to jump right into the message today. We're going to be receiving our offering at the end of the service, so if you'll just Hold what you have and be prepared to give that at the end. Uh, when Pastor Dustin comes to close us out, we'll receive the offering at that time. Next Sunday is going to be an important Sunday for us. First Sunday of the month of March. And at the conclusion of next Sunday's service, we're going to be having our annual conference. Uh, for those of you that are regular attenders, contributors, donors... Uh, we'll be having our annual conference. It'll be right after service. So typically service is over somewhere around 11, 15 or so. And so then we will shortly thereafter uh, begin the conference. I don't think it's going to last really a long time, but the elders and I are now uh, ready to present to you the 2021 budget and financial report. Um, and we're excited to give that to you and reflect with you on all the good things that God has been doing. Uh, and kind of project with you where we want to go this next year and what we think God is calling us to do. We're also going to be announcing very special announcements next Sunday, uh, some new elders in training uh, that our elders have recommended to us, and they're going to be coming along. We'll introduce them to you next Sunday. Uh, and then, of course, we will always be open to questions. Uh, you're not allowed to ask how much weight I've put on during COVID, but the other questions you can you can ask, there's no problem with that. I'm not sure whether anybody's coloring their hair or not. You don't want to ask that kind of question, but uh, you're welcome to ask whatever. We'll try our best to be prepared to answer uh, your questions today. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Mark and just hold them there. Uh, 
I'm going to say a few things and then I'll have you to stand for the reading of God's word. This morning we are starting a new series of messages out of the gospel of Mark. We're calling this Jesus in Mark. And uh, it's been my initiative, my hope and desire uh, that during these next several weeks that you are going to see the person of Jesus Christ in a way maybe you have never seen him before. I've encouraged you to start reading the book of Mark. It is not a long book, but you'll, you'll get more out of these messages if you are familiar with the text and the stories that we're going to be looking at. You know, the Bible is all about Jesus. In fact, if you read the Bible and you're not seeing Jesus, you're wasting your time. Jesus said this in John. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life. But all of these scriptures, they point back to me. So my encouragement for you today is that as we walk through this, that you will see Jesus. I don't want you to see anybody else. I'm not focused on anybody else. I want you through these messages to see Jesus. When I was a little boy, I used to play hide and seek with my dad. We used to love to play hide and seek, especially I remember when I was much smaller, four or five years old, we would play hide and seek and when he'd come home from work, he would play and I mean, he found me almost immediately every time I would hide, but then when he would hide, I couldn't always find him. So I would cry out to my mother and I would say to my mother, you know, daddy won't let me find him. I can't find daddy. And as a good mother, she would cry out to my father and say, let him find you. So dad would stick a leg out or put an elbow out and I would see it. And then when I would get to him, I would say something like this. I found you, daddy. But the truth of the matter was I did not find him. He let me see him. He let me find him. And I just want to begin this today and each of these weeks reminding you that he lets us find him. If he did not want us to see him, we could not see him in a thousand years of our own effort. But he wants us to see him. It's the reason that your Bible was written. So that you would see him. It's the elbow that sticks out. It's the leg that's projected. It's so that you would bump into him and you would see him. And that's what I hope happens. Now, the Gospel of Mark is often an overlooked book. It's the lesser of the four Gospels for a bunch of reasons. One of those is it's the shortest. There's only 16 chapters. It's not the first of the Gospels. That's Matthew. It's not the last. That's John. It's not the biggest. That's Luke. It was, it, while it's not listed first, it was in fact the first gospel that was ever written. Somewhere around 66 to 74 AD, the gospel of Mark was written. It was written by John Mark, who is the nephew of Barnabas. Some of you will remember him as a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul on a missionary journey. And John Mark, in fact, was one of Paul's traveling companions on the first missionary journey. But the thing that sets the Gospel of Mark apart is its direct and forthright way that he expresses stuff. 
In fact, uh, 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 as compared to the other Gospels, Mark just gets right to the point. If you have your Bibles open, notice the very first verse. The first words in the Gospel of John are these words. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, Son of God. He doesn't start off by saying, this is your brother John Mark, and I'm glad to... No, he just says, this book is about the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. So there's no ambiguity about what the Gospel of Mark is about. It's all about Jesus. You know, I thought about the first lines and how important they are. I love to write. I always work the hardest on the first lines of a chapter. Because it's what captures people's attention. The first paragraph. I often practice the first five minutes of every message in front of a mirror so that I can hear what I'm saying and see if it makes sense. The first lines are always important. In the United States Congress, when the United States President, regardless of party affiliation, stands up to give his address to Congress at the first of the year, his first line is always the same. Every president says the same thing. The state of our union is good. Because that's the first line of the State of the Union Address. The Gettysburg Address, spoken by Abraham Lincoln in 1863, contains a famous first line that almost all of us learned in school and most of us will remember. Even if we don't remember the rest of it, we do remember this, four score. And seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty, dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. First lines are really important. And so Mark gets right at it. The good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So look at that. The good news. You know, the world could use some good news. Don't you agree? Amen. I lost a dear friend this week. 22 years ago, he came into my life and he has been an incredible friend for two decades. He died two days ago to COVID. Now among the more than 500,000 Americans who have died in the past year from this dreaded virus. I could use some good news today. The world where you and I live is filled with pessimism, cynicism, and animosity. Could all use some good news. Social media is filled with hate and harshness, and the creed of the day seems to be dread, fear, and fatalism. We could all use some good news. And that's what Mark brings us this morning. The good news of Jesus Christ. Ours is a world that needs good news. Not only is he talking about Jesus, the good news of Jesus, he says he is the Messiah. Now, to some of you and to most of us, that would not mean much, but to a Jewish reader, that would mean everything because it was a fulfillment of a prophetic word spoken to the people who had not heard from God in over 400 years. And to them, Mark burst on the scene to say, he's the Messiah. In fact, when you look at the seven churches in Revelation that we've been looking at, one of the challenges there is the contrast between the believers and the Jews who are fighting over whether Jesus is Messiah. Mark makes no bones about it. 
Jesus is Messiah. And then he finishes by saying, don't confuse it with anybody else. He is the one and only Son of God. The only begotten of the Father. A divine title that no one else could ever hold. No one else could ever claim. He is God's Son. So, so the critical question this morning as we start is not necessarily who Jesus was, but who is Jesus to you? Mm. What does Jesus Christ mean to you? Now make no mistake about it, you and I interact with God on a lot of different levels. We interact through prayer. We interact through the reading of his word. We interacted this morning through an incredible worship set. And we interact with God a lot of different ways. But I'm afraid. And one of the reasons I'm preaching is that I'm afraid, as Pastor Dustin said this morning, that we are not always alert to the presence of God. We are not always alert at how much God wants to engage with us. How much Jesus Christ is present in our lives. And we don't always look for him. We look for him on Sundays, but we don't look for him on Tuesdays. We don't look for him on Thursdays, but we should. Because I'm telling you, I'm promising you that Jesus Christ has been in every moment and every space of your life from the moment that you were born. He was there in the intersection of every major decision that you have ever made in your life. He has been in the anguish of the hardest moments that you've ever faced in your life. He was there when you buried your mother. He was there when you lost your job. He was there when your spouse told you about the affair. He was holding you when you didn't have enough strength to take the next step. And that's why it's important that Mark says, I want to write a book and I want to tell you it's the good news. And it's about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who has always been there with you. So when I started several months ago going through this and making this a part of what we were doing, I wanted you to see him. And I'm drawing your attention this morning to chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, stand with me, please. Let's look at a story in Mark's gospel that I hope will speak to your need. Because this is a story about a sick man with a big need and a Savior willing to help in his dilemma. We'll start with verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Verse 4, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, above Jesus' head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down to the front of Jesus. Verse 5, seeing their faith. You see that? Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, 
Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. I want you to take one hand and I want you to place it over your heart. The other hand I'd like for you to place over your eyes. And I want you to pray a very simple prayer. Lord, help me to see Jesus today. Anoint my eyes that I would see Jesus today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that in this moment right now, I give you glory for what you're about to do in this room. Your presence, your anointing is here. I believe that you are speaking to us today. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that your word will be strong and that it will penetrate us. Lord, help us to look beyond the circumstances, the outside, distracting environments of our life and see the one, the one and only Jesus who has always been with us and always will. Father, we believe today for miracles in this house today. For my friends that are watching online, God, I believe for miracles in their house today. Glory to God. And I trust you for that. In the name of Jesus, and everybody says, you may be seated. This message I've entitled, Where Bold Faith Exists. Where Bold Faith Exists. It's a crazy story when you think about it. And I just today, in a, in a kind of a different kind of way, I just want to walk you through the things that I see when I read this story. I don't know that you could hermeneutically put this in an outline form, what I'm about to do, but I'm just going to talk to you out of my heart about the things that I see in the story. Now the first thing that I notice is in the very first verses of chapter 2, which says that when Jesus got back into town, the word spread quickly that he was back home. Now, I marked that in my Bible and I asked the question of myself, what is the word that I am spreading around town? What word am I spreading around town? Because when Jesus got back into town, the Bible said that people began to tell folks, Jesus is back in town. And because of that, the house began to fill up. The word spread quickly that Jesus was back home. It caused me to do a little bit of research to discover that all through the Bible there have been these moments when people would be spreading the word about Jesus. In John chapter 4 verse 29, the story of the Samaritan woman. After Jesus encounters her, he, she says to the people of the village, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And the people came streaming from the villages to see him. In John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, Andrew, who was Peter's brother, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who heard what John said. 
And then he followed Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found Messiah, which means Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. In Mark chapter 5, we'll talk about this in two weeks. In Mark chapter 5, a demonic of Gadara who was tortured in his mind, tortured by demons, and found deliverance in the ministry of Jesus. As Jesus is getting in the boat, verse 18, the man who had been demon-possessed, now healed, begged Jesus that he could go with him. In other words, Jesus, I want to be part of your posse. I want to travel with you. I want to be in your entourage. Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you, how merciful he has been. Notice the last verse. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed at what he told them. You see, what I'm trying to say is that these people who had an encounter with Jesus, when they went out, they were telling everybody about Jesus. They were encouraging people to come to Jesus. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to tell the story about Jesus so that people will come and know the Jesus that you and I know. What kind of word are you and I spreading? What kind of message are we giving to a lost world? You see, there's a narrative out there in the world that is against God and against Jesus. And we become his witnesses, his messenger in a lost world and telling people that Jesus saves. Anybody glad to be saved this morning? Not everybody in here is glad to be saved. Wow. You see, if God saved you, why would you not want to tell somebody about it? Somebody, somebody said, what is the real meaning of evangelism? And I said, you know what the meaning of evangelism is? It's one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. I once was lost, but now I'm found. My life was messed up, but Jesus changed me. I was hooked on drugs, but God cleaned me up. I was addicted to alcohol, God delivered me. I had a bad marriage. God restored my marriage. You see, I'm just trying to tell you, we need to be telling the story of what Jesus has done for us. Somebody said, well, but they don't want to hear. Let me just tell you something. People want to hear what Jesus has done in your life. They may be turned off to what's going on in a church or what's going on with an institution, but they want to hear your story. They want to hear what Jesus Christ has done in your life. So in the few minutes that I have allotted here, I want to give you the six things I saw in this story that I think are very notable. The first is this, that the miracle I read to you occurred in a full house where Jesus was staying. And it just helps me to understand this, that whenever Jesus is present, people show up. When Jesus is present... When Jesus is involved, you know, somebody said, oh, we need a better location or, or we need more of this or more of that. I'm just telling you, people aren't drawn to the things that we think they're drawn to, but they are drawn to the message of Jesus. And if Jesus shows up, people show up. They want to see him. They want to experience him in all of his power and glory. And the miracle of this house was when Jesus showed up in that house. I'm telling you right now from this platform that I want LEC to be a place where Jesus shows up. 
I want every song that's sung here to be about Jesus. I want messages about Jesus. I want conversation about Jesus. There's enough of that other stuff out there. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's tell the story of Jesus. Let's let the world know that Jesus has saved us. That's number one. Number two, there were obstacles that had to be overcome. This man could not get to Jesus. He couldn't get there because of the crowds. And he couldn't get there because somebody picked too small a house. They had a crowd larger than they expected. And it created an obstacle that would have caused them to think that we need to come back on another day. The house is too full. There's no way for us to get you to Jesus. But that wasn't their attitude. They recognized that they had obstacles. But greater than their obstacles was their hunger to be where Jesus was. I've been doing this a long time. And I've heard from people throughout the years all of the reasons why they can't get to Jesus. Some people can't get to Jesus because of their church hurt. You ever heard that one? Why don't, why don't you go to church anymore? Well, I got hurt one time. And can I just say I'm sorry that you got hurt, but that's no reason not to chase Jesus? At some point, you have to de decide that you're not going to be defined by what's behind you. Some people say, well, I, you don't know what somebody said to me. And we make that, we allow that to become an obstacle keeping us from pursuing after Jesus. Some people are, are hindered from getting to Jesus because of the way they were raised, how they grew up, how Jesus was presented in their house. You know, I, I just want to stop here long enough to say, parents, make sure you understand that the things that you're telling your kids about Jesus, they're never going to forget. You think they will, but they won't forget it. And they're going to remember that. The things that you do, the things that you say. And sometimes people's upbringing keeps them from coming to Jesus. Here's another one. Sometimes people are hindered from coming to Jesus because of their shame and their guilt. He couldn't forgive me. I'm too bad. I've done too many bad things. And that we create an obstacle. But here's the question. Here's the simple question. How badly... Do you want to see Jesus? You see, that's what happened here. These guys wanted to see Jesus. They wanted their friend to get to Jesus so, so badly that no matter what they had to do, I thought about the words of Jeremiah who said, You will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. How badly do you want to see Jesus? Most of you know that I grew up in a pastor's home. So that context has always been a part of my life. I was telling somebody on the staff the other day, I, I remember when my dad pastored a church in eastern North Carolina, the eastern half of the state, there was a woman in that church whose husband did not serve the Lord. And Diane had five small children, all of them probably under the age of 10. And she wanted to come to church and she had given her heart to the Lord. And our church was in a spirit of revival. And, 
She would come to the altar and seek after the Holy Spirit baptism. She, she would pray. She would be the last one to leave the altar. She would sense, you know, that people were weary and so she would stop praying and pack up her kids and she'd go home. She couldn't, she didn't have the ability, they only had one car and her husband wouldn't let her bring the car to church. And so my mother would go and get her every service. Well, and mom would take me with her and I'd go with her. We'd go out to Diane's house and I'd go to the door, knock on the door and help her get all the kids in the car and all the stuff you had to have with all those kids. And one Sunday night... We pulled up to Diane's house and I went and knocked on the door and she said, uh, Brother Bill, I need you to come in the house a moment. I said, okay. I went in the house and she had this box sitting on the kitchen table. She said, I need you to take that box to the car. I said, okay. So I carried the box out there. My mother saw me carry the box. She was opening up the back of the car and I've never forgotten what Diane said to my mother. She said, Sister Judy, in this box is enough diapers to take care of my children till tomorrow. I've got enough snacks and milk and everything that is needed. I'm not leaving that church until God fills me with the Spirit. I'm not walking away until God finishes in me what He wants to do. And I just remember that she was committed. You know what happened? She got to church that night, Billy, and when she got down the altar, probably less than 10 minutes, the Holy Spirit fell on top of her and she was baptized in the Spirit. You know why? Because she made up her mind. There's no obstacle going to keep me from getting to where Jesus is. How badly do you want to see Jesus? Here's the third one. This one stirred me. Apparently, you can borrow faith from somebody else. You can borrow faith. You can literally loan your faith to somebody who needs it. Because the Bible said that these men tore a hole in that roof and they began to let their friend down in front of Jesus. And then Jesus said, or the Bible said, seeing their faith. Didn't say the paralyzed man had faith, Dustin. It just said, seeing their faith, Jesus began to do something about it. Apparently, we see here somebody, you see, we don't even know what the man's condition was. We don't know what his faith condition was. We don't know how much he believed or didn't believe in Jesus. But we know this, his friends did. His friends believed in Jesus. And he could not get to Jesus without somebody's help. And so it was, the Bible said, seeing their faith their faith their faith touched Jesus they loaned they gave their faith to this man in order that he might find the miracle that he needed let me ask you two questions number one is there anybody available in your life to believe for you when you can't believe for yourself Anybody that you know of that would loan you some faith? As strange as that sounds to even say it, but it's right there. Is there anybody in your life that would be willing to be available to believe for you? What about this one? Would you be willing to believe for somebody else 
because they cannot believe for themselves. You know, when I was growing up, we used to, we used to call this Sister Dolly, we used to call this standing in for somebody. Anybody ever done that? Everybody remember that? Somebody come and stand in for this person. You know what it was? We're believing for them. We're, glory to God. We're standing in believing for them. For the miracle that they need. Let's see if it works. I need somebody to stand up and believe for Debbie Mullins right now. I need somebody that will stand up for Amber Darty right now. Somebody in our church that will stand up for Amber Darty right now. What about somebody that will stand up for Jesse Hines? Young men from our church. Who will stand up for Jesse? Who will stand in for Jerome Carter right now? Somebody stand up for Jerome Carter right now. Who's going to stand in for Benny Stinson right now? Somebody stand in for Betty. Thank you. Who will stand in for Siobhan Morgan, Willie Morgan's daughter? She needs somebody to stand in for her right now. Cindy's here. I saw Cindy Coburn a moment ago, but I already had her on my list. Somebody that will stand in for Cindy Coburn right now. She needs a miracle from God over her body. And maybe I didn't call the name of your loved one, but you'd say, you know what? I'm going to stand in for my daughter. I'm going to stand in for my son. I'm going to stand in for my family member. Get up on your feet and stand up for them and allow God to let your faith be heard today. Lift up your hands. Start praying right now. Start interceding right now. Start praying. Don't get in a hurry. Start praying right now. You're interceding. You're using your faith. You're using your faith right now. Your, your faith is being used right now for the behalf of the person that you're standing for. Glory to God. If you're at home watching me right now, stand up for somebody. Stand in for somebody. God works in mysterious ways. You may be standing in for your lost child. You may be standing in for your boss. You may be standing in for your neighbor. But your faith... Your faith is the key. Come on, church, pray. We're not going to be in a hurry. We'll be here a few minutes. I want you to intercede. I want you to press in. Keep praying. Keep praying. God healed Debbie Mullins right now. God ministered to Amber Darter right now. God touch Jesse Hines right now with your presence. God touch Jerome Carter right now. I'm believing for Benny Stinson right now. Believing the hand, believing the hand of God's healing grace on Benny right now. Believing for Siobhan Morgan. Believing for Cindy Coburn. There's power in prayer. Keep praying. Come on, don't quit. Keep praying. Keep praying. I'm not standing here for myself. I'm not standing for my own need. I'm standing for the need of somebody who needs me. Somebody who needs me to believe for them. Somebody who needs me to press in on their behalf. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. There's power in your prayer. You're getting through. You're getting through. God's hearing your prayer right now. 
Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Praying for my daughter. Praying for my son-in-law. Praying for my neighbor. Praying for my mama. Praying for my daddy. Praying for my uncle. Praying for the people in my life who need God. I'm believing. I'm believing right now, God. I'm believing right now. I believe it right now. I believe it right now. I believe it right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, church. Another 30 seconds. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. You can borrow my faith today. You can have some of my faith. Straight up on Sunday. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room today. If you press in, there's a miracle in this house. There's a miracle. Woo! Woo! In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I wish somebody would pray 15 more seconds as hard as you could pray. With as much faith as you can possibly muster. 15 more seconds. I'm not giving up. The devil is a liar. I'm believing God. I'm trusting God right now. I'm speaking over somebody that's watching me online right now. The holy presence of God has moved into your house. The presence of God is in your house right now. God is at work. God is at work. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.